So we are in our third week of this series um, at the movies, uh, trying to, it's a twofold purpose. Uh, one is I'm trying to encourage you to think theologically. Uh, so I believe that you are able to look for the gospel uh, when you leave this place, uh, that you're able to see God in the created world if you will begin to look for it. So when you're reading books, listening to music, watching TV, watching movies, uh, when you go to work, when you go to school, all of these places you're able to see the gospel. And so I want to encourage you to begin to, to look for those things. So part of what we're doing is trying to, to examine some of the created world uh, so that we're able to see the gospel in it, so that we learn how to think theologically. Uh, so that's one of the purposes. Now, I recognize that not every movie Am I encouraging you to go and watch? Uh, God gave you reason and God gave you intellect for, for, for a purpose. And so that is sometimes you stop and you see a trailer of a film and you go, that's probably not what I need to go and see. Because the Bible also tells us that we're renewed by our minds. So it does make a difference with what music you listen to. It does make a difference, the movies and the TV shows that you watch. Um, the Bible is very clear that... That even though everything is permissible for us, not everything is beneficial. Uh, and so what we've elected to do this, this month is we're looking at family movies. So these are movies that you can get your kids, your grandkids together. You can watch uh, and you can look and, and, and look for the gospel. So that's one purpose. The second purpose is I'm hoping that you will connect these movies to our core values as a church. Uh, I want you to know what they are. I want you to be able to articulate them. I want you to be able to tell people, you know, what, what do we stand for as a church? Uh, and what I realized recently is we don't know them. Uh, and so how are we ever going to be able to communicate that uh, to the world around us? So the first week we looked at The Hobbit, and I told you that there were two core values. If you were here that week, this is your test. There were two core values attached to that movie. Uh, so I want to see how well you remember what those are. So uh, anybody, anybody give me one. If you answered last week, you can't answer this week. Actually, this service, nobody answered last week. Uh, so every, it's open for everybody. Uh, uh, can anybody give me one of the core values that we attach to the movie Hobbit? People matter to God, and so therefore they should matter to us. So every bit of our resources, all of our energy, everything should be towards reaching people. So people matter to God and they should matter to us. So that's one. Y'all did excellent. Y'all are 100% better than last week. All right. So let's see if we can go for the second one. What was the second core value? We have to take risk. That's right. To be able to accomplish this, we got to have visionary faith. I heard that too. We got to have visionary faith, which is going to mean we got to take risk. We can't be afraid. We can't be afraid of failing. We've got to be willing to take risk. That's as individuals, that's as Sunday school classes, as small groups, as missions, as ministry opportunities. We as a church, if we're going to accomplish what God's calling us to accomplish, we've got to be able to take risk. So that's that one. So last week, we looked at the movie Avatar. Completely different film, uh, but we attached a core value to Avatar. Uh, so what was Avatar? We looked at Jake Sully, and we watched his character, and so we, we attributed that to help us to understand something about our core values. Anybody remember what that one is? 
Transform, yes, transform like Jake Sully, we saw him go through transformation. And what we said was that the gospel of Jesus Christ should transform us. Remember what I told you, one of the quotes that I saw on Twitter was that if your religion is not transforming you, it's a junk religion. So you stop and think about our relationship with Jesus Christ should transform us. We should be different because we know Jesus. Amen? Amen. All right, so this week we're going to look at a different film. Finding Dory. How many of you have seen Finding Dory? Okay, not as many. Uh, what's that say about us? Not as many as Avatar. Uh, so go watch Finding Dory. It's a great film to be able to watch. We're at the end of the back of your weekly are questions that you can ask. So as you're sitting and watching the film, you can ask. And, and if you're watching it with your children, your grandchildren, Ask them these questions and see what their responses are and, and to be able to encourage you to have an, uh, an opportunity to kind of just think about what that means. Now, the character of Dory um, is lost. She, is, she doesn't even know it. She is separated from her biological family, and she is unaware of this. Um, and I stopped to think first initially, just have we ever found ourselves lost? And the truth is probably in today's world... Very few of us ever get geographically lost anymore. Um, we have GPS, we have maps, we have ways, we have all kinds of opportunities. Claire and I and Latham and Lydia, uh, at the end of the service today, we are going to Florida, and we do not even know where we're going. We have an address, uh, and I don't even have to worry about getting lost because my phone is going to tell me if there's a pothole in the road up ahead. Who of y'all are putting that in the phone? I don't know, but I do appreciate it. But, but it's going to tell me everything. If there's a wreck up ahead that's going to detour me around, so we don't get geographically lost. Um, but relationally and socially, you know, as much as social media exists in the world, do you realize the experts say we are becoming growingly more unconnected, more disconnected in our relationships so relationally, we can be lost. Now, I've shared with you before that I grew up uh, as the son of an alcoholic. Um, but I have never really shared um, what that did to me. Um, my dad was a what I term a functional alcoholic. Uh, he, my dad provided everything that we ever needed. Um, my dad worked, hard worker, worked every day, um, gave us most of what we wanted. Um, he would drink during the day at his job, and then when he would get off work, uh, he would come home and drink more and just drink himself to sleep. Um, he was never abusive. I don't ever really even remember my dad yelling much. He just drank. And I can remember as a kid praying for my dad to quit drinking. But I can also remember as a young person, uh, lived in Powder Springs, and at that time all you did on Friday or Saturday night was cruise around. So I can remember cruising uh, around Powder Springs and seeing my dad come out of the liquor store and all of my friends making fun of him because we saw him every Friday and Saturday night. And I, in my embarrassment, made fun of him as well. I hated my dad. 
and I love my dad at the same time. Um, so what I did was I created a wall that allowed me to distance myself emotionally from my father. And I was never connected to him. This is exactly what we see in this film. Dory. Dory is disconnected. She has her friends, Nemo and Marlon, and uh, everything seems to be going okay in the world until she has what I would call as a spiritual awakening. And even though she has very poor memory, suddenly Dory remembers something. Y'all check out this first clip. So in this moment, Dory begins to panic, but she knows that she has to find them. She has to, to find her home. And, and I can relate to Dory in this story because when I had all of those emotions with my dad, the one thing I wanted more than anything was a home. We don't, when we have spiritual awakenings, we don't panic. Our, our panic is losing the remote control, uh, you know, or our panic is you're, you, you work, get to work and you realize you forgot your phone. Uh, for my children, the panic is the Wi-Fi not working. Um, but, but, but let's think about this, though. That emotion that we can attach to that, that, that's the emotion that we see in Dory. And Marlon... The rational one, she wants to, to go and, and, and seek her family. Marlon, he's, Marlon's like, no, 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 very rational. We can't do that. We got to think about this. But Dory begins to, she's passionate. She begins to, to tell uh, Marlon and Nemo that, that we've got to do this. They've got to go on this quest together. And so this quest that they find themselves on to, to help Dory find a home um, it makes me think about a passage of Scripture that I want us to really unpack this morning. If you've got your Bibles or if you want to put to a pew Bible, we're going to turn to Ephesians in the New Testament. We're going to look at Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to stay in Ephesians 3 all morning long. Before we get to that, I'll just set this up to let you know that Paul has been traveling from town to town, and he has been to Ephesians uh, before. Uh, he, he, in this moment where we find him, he feels spiritually responsible 
for this group of new followers to Jesus. They're new to their faith, and he knows that when you're new to your faith, and I would argue that it's always true, but especially when you're new to your faith, it's hard to kind of remember who you are, uh, whose you are. It's hard to to keep Christ at the at the center of every of your, every relationship. So let's think first as we as we think about this passage. Let's let's think first about the people of Ephesus. They, if you don't know this about the city of Ephesus, it is the um, it's the center kind of of Roman culture. It's the capital of Asia Minor. Um, located in Ephesus is one of the seven ancient wonders of the world. Uh, temple, Art, temple of Artemis. I have a picture so you can kind of see this. Um, people who lived in Ephesus, they had to um, devote everything to Caesar. They had to worship Artemis. They had to worship some of the Roman gods. Their, their, their lives were so distracted and all of these things. So think about being a follower of Jesus in this environment and how it could distract us. Can you imagine what it would be like to live in a culture that is trying to distract you from following Jesus Christ? Hello. Uh, We live in that culture, do we not? I mean, we could sit here and spend all morning long thinking about the things that we allow to get in the way of our relationship with God. Let 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 me tell you one. I started thinking about just different ones that we could list. And I'm going to step on a few toes, but it's okay. Um, sports. Our obsession with sports. Um, I grew up playing sports, loving sports. I grew up in a, fam- in a family that was all about sports. I married a fellow bulldog. Uh, we love sports. Um, but let's be honest. We struggle getting up and coming to church at 11 o'clock. Because we don't want to fight our kids. Got to get up and feed them breakfast. But if you have a travel baseball game at 8 o'clock on a Sunday morning, you'll be there. Uh, it, 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 you know, we, we put anything in front of God. If it rains, maybe I won't go today. If it's sunny, maybe I got to work in my yard. Uh, th- this is how the people of Ephesus felt. And Paul feels spiritually responsible, so he begins to pray. Let's look at his prayer in Ephesians 3, starting in verse 14. It says this, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. So let's stop there for just a moment, because we read that and we accept it, and we just, we don't, we just can gloss right over it. Paul prays this, I kneel before the Father. Kneeling is a posture of prayer. Dwayne, in our offering for prayer, he said, come and kneel. We do that without hesitation. But you know what? That's not a posture of prayer in Paul's day. In Paul's day, you prayed standing up. This is how you prayed. Even Orthodox Jews today pray standing up. Kneeling was a sign of desperation. Paul was desperate for the people in Ephesus to stay in love with God. Let me tell you, as a pastor, I can relate to Paul because I have been desperate on many occasions. Sometimes it has been for my family, but most of the time it's for people in the church. When you walk into my office or you call me on the phone and your marriage is crumbling, or you get a bad diagnosis, 
where you sit there on the bed and tell in the hospital room and you tell me that you're dying. This just doesn't seem appropriate. I love to walk in sometimes in the mornings and just come in and pray in here when it's just me and God. And so many times I will kneel or I will lay down on the floor praying for God to make a way when I don't see a way possible. This is, this is what we see that Paul is doing for the people of Ephesus. Marlon and Nemo find themselves in this same situation. They have lost Dory again. And Marlon, the rational one, continues to try to think about ways to do it and the ways that he's always done it before and it doesn't work. And so Marlon begins to pray. Doesn't really pray. I want him to pray. But, but in the movie, Marlon thinks differently. Y'all check out this clip. They begin to think differently. Every time I see that clip and they say, what would Dory do? I guess it's a flashback to the 90s with what would Jesus do? Uh, and, and because that, you know, that was a time where, I mean, we had WWJD on every T-shirt, arm bracelet, uh, bumper sticker that you could find. Um, and most of the time we think of that as like a behavioral modification that we're going to, you know, what would Jesus do? Tries to stop us from doing the, these bad things. But I always took it differently. I always thought that, you know, what would Jesus do was more of a, an invitation to live life to the full the way that Jesus would live. To embrace every single opportunity to, to, to not get so caught up in the quirks that I may have, but, but allow God to use all of the uniqueness that he has in me to, to be able to, uh, to serve his kingdom, to, to think about the way that Jesus would make the most of every opportunity, that Jesus would, um, he would look at, at weaknesses and know that that's how God is made strong. These are all ways that Jesus would live. And I think it's an invitation for us. Dory gets this. Dory has weakness, short-term memory loss, right? And so Dory begins to put some things in her life patterns. Um, she puts uh, sing-along things that she does. Keep on swimming. I won't sing for you. Uh, but, she, you know, she, she has these little sing-along things that she does in order to help her so she doesn't get stuck in, in her brokenness. And this is a very courageous way to live, and it's also a contagious way to live. 
And so Dory, in this contagious adventure that she's living, she, in the movie, she meets another character, which is Hank. And I don't know if you remember Hank, but Hank is the grumpy octopus uh, that thinks that the best place in life, the most stable place in life, is to live in an aquarium in Cleveland, Ohio. Um, now, I don't know. I've never been to Cleveland, Ohio. I'm not bashing Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, but, but this is what he thinks living life to the full would be. And then Dory gets in his face and kind of begins to, to push him a little differently, to talk him into helping her on this adventure. So y'all check out this clip. So she convinces him to come along on this journey uh, to help her to be able to find her parents. And I wonder, it makes me think of what, when we have a crossroads in our life, um, what do we do 
to help us decide to live that courageous life, to live life to the full. My dad, after Claire and I got married, my dad uh, quit drinking. Uh, And Claire and I moved back to my hometown and went to work for the family business. Um, I learned a lot about strengths and weaknesses from my dad. Um, My dad is the strongest man that I've ever met. Uh, And his strongest moment was the moment that he admitted that he was weak. And he gave that weakness to Christ. I got called to go into ministry. And when I got called to go into ministry, I knew that this was going to change everything. Not just for me, but this was going to change everything for my wife. It was going to change everything for my kids. Uh, But it was also going to change everything for my entire family. Because... We were running the family business. Um, Probably the person that I was most nervous to go and tell was my dad. But what gave me the courage to go and sit and talk to my dad was the courage that I had seen my dad have when he decided to be sober. I knew that that courageous step was was taking a risk in my own life. I knew that it might mean that we had to sacrifice certain things. And I might, it might mean that we would go in a different direction and maybe it would be a wrong direction. But it was worth every bit of the risk. But what I want you all to know is in that moment, everything changed. Because through the power of the Holy Spirit, the separation that my dad and I had, our spirits were unified. And what was separation became honor, respect, and love. See, what I know is that people can change through the power of the Holy Spirit. And, I, and that knowledge carries me every day. Paul speaks to us in this prayer about this change. Look at what it says in Ephesians 3, verse 16. It says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. This isn't just a prayer for them. This is a prayer for you that that God will work in you. That God will work in us. And not just show us a list of things that we should do or we shouldn't do. Not just show us the things that we need to do to be good Christians. But change us in the inner being of who we are. And then the verse goes on. He says in, in 17, And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power. Together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge. That you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Full to overflowing of God's love. A love that has power. A love that had the power to separate waters. A love that had the power to... uh, 
to, to redeem God's people, the Lord, the, the, a love that has the ability to raise Jesus from the dead, a love that has the ability and the power to, to restore relationships. And we as Christians believe, and we have the audacity to claim, that it's a love that will change the world. But folks, what we see in this passage, and what I want you to notice this morning, is that part of the power is when we come together. See, one of our core values, what we're going to link to this movie, one of the core values is that we believe that every person needs to be connected to a nurturing, nurturing community of faith, to a nurturing community of people. We are not created to be in isolation. When I went to talk to my dad, I was in an accountability group with three other men, had been for years. And I have no doubt to this day, two of them worked for Delta at that time, and one worked at a plant in Marietta. And I have no doubt that when I was talking to my dad, there were two men at Delta on their knees somewhere praying. And there was a man in a plant in Marietta that was praying as well for me. When my dad made the courage step, courageous step to stop drinking, he had a group of people who surrounded him, his family, who said, we love you. We're not going to enable you, but we love you, and we're here to support you. My dad had a group of people at AA. He went twice a day, every day for two years. We had to go on vacation. We went out of town. He found out where an AA place was, and he went and made sure that he continued to go to AA. He had people who surrounded him. It's vital if we're going to live life to the full, if we're going to live life to this abundance that's going to overflow, you can't be isolated. You can't just come to church, sit, and go home. I mean, you can do it. I did it for years. But you're not going to have the life that God desires for you. What God created us for was to come together, love each other, serve with each other, nurture each other, care for each other, check on each other, pray for each other. Hold each other accountable. Every single person we believe needs to be connected to a community, to a nurturing community. This is, this is what we see in Dory. Do, think about Dory. Dory had Marlon. Dory had uh, Nemo. Dory had Hank. Hank had Dory. Dory had her parents. If you know the movie, they were putting uh, shells out to, to bring her home. Dory had her parents. The whole movie screams, to me at least, of a desire and a need for each of us deep within us to be connected to a community that loves us and cares for us. You're not going to find home in a bottle. You're not going to find home in anger and resentment. You're not going to find home in possessions or material goods. You are only going to find home in Jesus Christ, in Jesus Christ alone. But here's the good news. God, in his infinite wisdom and grace, every day and every month of your life has been putting out shells to bring you home. Every day he's been working to get you to this place right here in Stockbridge first to a community of people who will love you. I'll tell you about my week. Um, Saturday, yesterday I went to the hospital to visit a lady who was diagnosed with cancer. And 
her family were sitting around the room. And all they could talk about was this lady's Sunday school class. And how this Sunday school class had loved on her. Continues to love on her. Friday, I did a funeral for a man who passed away in our church. And probably half, those of you who were here, you know this to be true. About half of the people that were here were people here from his Sunday school class. And all through his illness over the last, at least the last year I've been here, I'd go to the hospital and visit and she would tell me about texts that she'd been getting and calls that she'd been getting from people in her Sunday school class to support her. We have to be connected. The youth group. I got back the, uh, Friday night. They came back from Guatemala, and I went in to uh, to listen to their sentences that they that they uh, described what it was that that they learned on their trip. The very first story I had, and this wasn't from Chad. I had seen it on Facebook, but I got it first firsthand. Is the the first story that somebody told me about was how somebody on the team had dropped some paint, and they began to clean the paint up. And as they began to clean the paint, one by one, the rest of the students, all without being told to go do it, they all jumped in and started helping to, to clean up the paint. And how that experience, from this person's perspective, how that experience bonded them together. I can tell you story after story of people who have felt the prayers of the church in a moment of crisis, connected and bonded Folks, that's how God created us. And, he, and he, as a pastor, this is one of those times where if I could kneel or lay down, that's what I would do because I can't, I can't make you connect. You've got to realize this is how God created you. You've got to realize that this is, this is, this is your step of courage to stop and go I need people in my life to surround me. I need people in my life to hold me accountable. You've got to decide to either get up and come to Sunday school or we're going to have some small groups that start in the fall. You're going to have to decide whether to join a small group. You're going to have to, to decide when you're sick or that you want somebody praying for you. You're going to have to call the church and let them know that you're in the hospital or that you're praying. You have to do that. But what I'm telling you, if we're going to live the way the, the Bible describes for us to live. We've got to only be a connected community. We've got to connect to it. Amen? Let's pray. Most gracious God, we are so thankful that first you are a God that connects to us. That you are God who gives us and floods us with your grace and your mercy and your love. But I also pray, Lord, for, for those of us in the room right now. Who maybe feel lost. Not living life to the full. Not feeling connected to you and to your body. And I pray, oh God, that for each person here that they can make a decision 
to come home. I pray, oh God, that you can help us as a church to continue to to grow and nurture this place in an effort to, to truly live out what we believe is important in the body of Christ, and that's to be connected to each other. Because we know, God, that you are God that can help us overcome grow stronger through our weakness and that your desire for each and every one of us is to live life to the full. Help us do that. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.